I feel like I need to firstly uh, just say thanks and acknowledge the support and the encouragement of you in this new role. Um, if you're still getting used to considering me as a pastor, then I'm, I'm doing that as well. <laughs> it's a um, bit of a brain shift for me from what I was doing to what I'm doing now. But there's something cool about this church and the grace that we're under here, and I've experienced it on mission that when we go, we're sent. And when you're out doing stuff, you know that there's a people at home that are praying and supporting you, but you've also got fathers and mothers in the faith at home over you. And as I step into this role, it's not like you're out on your own. We've got Uncle John, Honey Hazel, Tony Carolyn, David Judy, and all of you. And there's a real grace in that family, that connection, that together we're one and we have your support. I know some of you locals know me, but I thought I'd continue on with a bit of my history and after encountering, encountering God and getting filled with the Spirit, I, I lived with a sense of mission and wanting to serve God. And I remember being at a family wedding and bumping into Uncle John, and it was always like, Uncle John, didn't know him but knew stuff about him. And he's like, you know, one day, you know, maybe you could come and work for me at peace. And I graduated from design college and praying about what I should do, and I had this small little voice say, move to Rockhampton. So I did. I moved up here, and um, that's like 14 years ago now. And on one of my first Sundays, Uncle John got me up to share and introduced myself, and I remember saying something like, oh, I feel like I've gone to the wilderness to learn. And I remember afterwards, Debbie Appleton saying to me, kind of looks like you've come out of the wilderness already because I had long hair and stuff. <laughs> I worked in peace for 10 years and studied extensively under Pastor Tony and David Hood in the office, which means we talked a lot. <laughs> I duplicated a lot of CDs and DVDs and had late nights packing Uncle John's bags before he'd go overseas, filling them full of books and CDs and stuff. And Learn a lot in that time. And doesn't mean I know everything, but just to say that I've been around. I then went on and accepted a role with our local government in design and marketing, and I've worked on various campaigns for tourist attractions and branding projects for the city. And in January 2021, early in the year, Sally said to me, John, I've, I feel like you're meant to be in ministry. And it's holy. And she had a real experience about it. It was really like, it was a God experience for her. And I'm a bit loath to say what my response was. But I was a bit like, well, maybe that's for you. You know, God, 
God can speak to me, if he can speak to you, he knows where I am, he can tell me that himself. And didn't really think about it more, much more than that. And, and I was like, and, and you know what? And maybe you can tell by the way I'm saying it wasn't just a normal conversation. It kind of, not heated, but you know, a bit like, well. I was like, there's, there's no open door. You know, like I've, I've thrown myself into this job. That's what I'm doing. And then not long after that, I think it was at the Australia Day picnic, Uncle John we somehow got talking and he's like, Do you, are you fulfilled in your work? <laughs> Maybe he had inside info or something. <laughs> I was like, well, I guess. Like I didn't think about it, I just work hard. And then you'd bump into David, he'd say something similar. Like, you know, David, it says, are you having fun or? <laughs> but he, he kept saying things like, yeah, you're like, do you miss serving the Lord full time? I was like, oh, I don't know. And um, it just kept coming up. And so I was like, well, I just, I'm going to, I'll pray about it. I'll pray about it because it started to dawn on me that if God spoke to my wife, and it was a real holy experience. Then he kind of spoke to me. Because he said, Jonathan? Like he said my name. But how often he says things and we're a bit like, you know, a bit skeptical, but he's the one talking to us. Anyways, I started praying about it and things would happen. So I'd be at work and a lady at work knows I want to buy a boat, and one day she said, you need to buy that boat. And then someone else called out, yeah, because you only live once, you know. And then it struck me, it's like, well, if I only live once, and I'm meant to be in ministry, what am I doing? And then another day, the big boss is walking up the stairs in our department, and another guy who's high up opened the door to him, and his first response was, I have the word of the Lord for you. These are not Christian people, but he's having a joke. And when I heard it, I'm like, I'm going to have to tell my boss that I'm resigning because I'm going to follow the Lord. That's the word of the Lord for him. But it was like a, it was a sign to me. And I was looking in my office one day and there was a box outside my office and it was, you know, grace removalists. And... The, the line underneath grace, it says, always more. Grace, always more. And so all these things are speaking to me. And then I was reminded of other experiences. Like I, I did a video project once up north in Mackay, and it was for a youth conference. And the guy was preaching, and I was filming, and I wasn't part of their group. I was just contracted to do it. Excuse me, sorry for sniffling. But I remember my heart was burning in my chest because I was like, I want to finish his message. I don't think he's doing it right. <laughs> what the Holy Spirit said to me was, do you want to be behind the camera or do you want to be in front of the camera? Now, I don't want to be in front of the camera. But the challenge to me was, it was like this continual, you should preach. And then I found an old letter, Kent, when we're in 
Cambodia, we stayed at this hotel called the Bonita City Hotel. And I have a letter, because whenever I go on a mission, I write a letter to myself. And then I open it like six months later. Now that place, it was a trap. We went down for breakfast, and they have all the cereals and everything on the buffet. So I load up probably muesli or wheat bix or something, load up the yogurt, one bite. Wow, this yogurt tastes a bit eggy. I go over to the chef guy and said, just, what's the go with the yogurt, mate? It's a bit eggy. And he said confidently, mayonnaise. <laughs> I don't know why they put the mayonnaise there, but if you go on missions, you get to experience things like this. <laughs> Coming into the summit, I, I decided in my heart, because I used to do this, I want an answer. I want an answer on this question, and I'm determined that somehow in the summit, I'm going to learn what the answer is. And I sat in some of those sessions writing down these points of, like I just said before, those examples. And I, I had about 10 examples. And then in that last session, as Uncle John's talking about calling and all those things, I'm feeling myself get more and more like, hmm, maybe. Like, it's like I still wasn't convinced. But when he got to the end, I could not control myself. I was in tears. I had to respond. And I don't cry that often. So that's, I know that that was God because I could not control myself. I'm, like, I'm going straight out the front. I give up. And in that moment, I connected with all the excuses I'd heard of all the people in the Bible that said, I don't know enough, I'm not smart enough, because I realized that's us, that's who we are. So God, you can do it, just whatever it is. And that brings us to today. What's he said to you? Well, what's he been saying to you? Are you actively looking to the Lord every day? Or do you struggle to believe that he could use you? Are you seeking clarity? Or what, what's your excuse? What's the thing that pops up in your mind? You might, have a, you might be inspired to do something for God, but you've had this excuse brings us to our text today and we're going to look at some scriptures in Judges and the theme in Judges that comes up is in those days there was no king in Israel everyone did what was right in his own eyes it was a series in time where the people abandoned the Lord that God allowed foreign powers to oppress them the people cried out for deliverance, and then God raised up a deliverer. And in Judges 6, 1 to 6, we read, The people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord gave them into the hand of Midian seven years. And Israel made for themselves the dens that are in the mountains and the caves and strongholds. Things were so bad for the people that they would go into the mountains to hide. Verse 3 says, for whenever the Israelites planted crops, the Midianites and the Amalekites and the people of the east would come up against them. They would encamp around them and devour 
the produce of the land as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance in Israel and no sheep or ox or donkey. Imagine that you're growing your crops and your own sheep and your own donkeys and these people would turn up and take it all away. No wonder they were hiding. For they would come up with their livestock, their tents, like locusts, and their camels. The camels could not be counted, so that they laid waste the land as they came in. And Israel was brought very low because of Midian. And the people of Israel cried out to help to the Lord. Judges 6, 11 to 15. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abyssalite, while his son Gideon was beating out the wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. Gideon the farmer is hiding out, beating the little wheat he has in a winepress, which is not the usual way that they would beat wheat. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, The Lord is with you, a mighty man of valor. Gideon said to him, Please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. This is the Lord Jesus. He appeared to Gideon. And it's interesting that the Lord's view of Gideon is, the Lord is with you, mighty man. Thank you. <laughs> Wonder if you just mute the microphone for one second. I appreciate that. <laughs> but Gideon's view is that the Lord has forsaken us. Now we know that those people had forsaken the Lord. That's the reason why they were oppressed. How often we get caught up thinking that the Lord's abandoned us when maybe we've abandoned him. But the Lord didn't answer his questions and just said, verse 14, go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do I not send you? And he said to him, please, Lord, how can I save Israel? More excuses. Behold, my clan's the weakest. I'm the least in my father's house. Go in this might? You've got the wrong person for the job. We know more than God. How often these people called of God try to tell God, you've chosen the wrong person. Why do we think we know better? But how natural of us to be fully aware of our weaknesses when we have to be remembering all that he's done and all that he's said. It's interesting that Gideon from this point went on after that experience, and he prepared an offering, young goat, unleavened bread to the Lord. So from that experience of God, he prepared an offering. 
And then after offering the offering, he realized it was the Lord, and then he thought he was going to die because he had seen the Lord. The Lord said to him, peace to you. He built an altar there and he said, the Lord is peace. Just to paraphrase a bit, that night the Lord spoke to him and said, Gideon, take two bulls. Use one of the bulls to rip down the altars of your father. Cut down the Asherah, make a big bonfire and sacrifice the other bull. His first mission. And out of obedience, he spent that night. It must have been a big job to use a bull to pull down an altar. So in the middle of the night, he's doing this. But he did it. Goes on, chapter 6, verse 34, but the Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon. The Holy Spirit came upon him. He sounded the trumpet, and his clan were called together to go out and face the Midianites. It's going to be a battle. 32,000 people turned up to face the Midianites. And we read that the Midianites were in the valley like locusts, and their camels were without number. This is a lot of people. A lot. Like the sand on the seashore. So you've got like half a Suncorp. That's your army. Chapter 7, 2 to 4, the Lord said to Gideon, the people with you are too many. For me, for me to give the Midianites into their hand, lest Israel boast over me, saying, my own hand has saved me. Now, therefore, proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, if you're scared, if you're trembling, you can go home. You don't have to fight. So 22,000 people said, okay, I'm going home. I'm not going into this battle. And there remain 10,000. Meanwhile, the Midianite army is not getting smaller. Can you imagine? This is your army. The Lord said to Gideon, you've still got too many troops. But these aren't troops. You've still got too many people. They're not trained warriors. They're just people. And he, through a process, stripped them down to 300 so roughly two or three times what we have here, that's the army we've got. And we're going to go and fight a multitude of camel warriors. Judges 7, 20 to 22. And they cried out a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. Their weapons were a trumpet, 300 trumpets, and jars. Like again, not only do you have 300 people, you've got trumpets and jars with lights in them to fight these people. God knows exactly how to strip us back to a place where it seems absolutely impossible to complete a task, and yet it's what he wants to do for his glory. They jumped ahead a bit, but they blew the trumpets, they smashed the jars, they ran to camp, and those Midianite camel warriors fleed. They ran. They ran away. 
Can you imagine being Gideon running out the front, chasing these people down and, and remembering the seven years we read at the first bit, they'd been oppressed seven years with no one to deliver them. And God did it with trumpets and 300 people and smashing jars because it was his word that sent out and broke it. Can imagine his flashbacks running in like, we're really doing this and like, What's your excuse? Can you see that for Gideon and for these other people in the word, with the call of God comes the grace to do the task that you're called to do. And the reason that many of us feel like we're not enough or we don't have the words or we're too old or we're too young, we don't have the experience or the task is too huge is because it's not got to do with us having any of those things in order, but God using us. I'm reminded of another text, 1 Corinthians 1, 27, 29 says, But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong, and God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. What's your excuse? What's God been putting on your heart lately? Is there something you've been putting off? Some of you may have seen God do mighty things in the past, but you don't, you don't look for it anymore. It's... Have you forgot, or have you forgotten something he said? Is there something in one of your journals at home that you've just, he said it because like Gideon, he meant you're gonna do something. Or maybe you're unsure of his call, but he will, he will confirm it to you. Whatever your situation is today, I think the call of this message is to surrender to him. Surrender to him. And for Gideon, he took on a multi, massive army. And it might not look like that for us. For us, it might be starting a group, might be going on a mission trip, but I think the guts of it is that each day we wake up looking for God. We surrender to him. And we remember what he said. Because whatever he said to you, he'll give you the grace to do it. Some of you might have to pull down some altars. You know, that's one of the first things he did. After seeing the Lord, he destroyed an altar. And for us, altars aren't necessarily built with rocks and concrete, whatever they had, and need a bull to tear them down, but things in our lives that have been set up as strong in our hearts or minds. The Lord will tell you. Some of you might have to prepare an offering. 
that stood out to me about Gideon is after that experience of God, he's like, I'm going to give you an offering. But for him, he didn't do electronic transfer or he didn't, you know, we've got these envelopes, you can write someone's name on, I'm going to give them an offering. He had to go, just wait here, angel of the Lord. I'm going to go get a goat, kill a goat. Like, they had to actually do stuff. But regardless, the point is, he took what he had in a time when he was, they were ravaged and they didn't have much, and he gave. I think for us as a people, with the call to take a message to the world, we can find encouragement that it doesn't matter how big this feels. If God's called us to do it, he's going to help us to do it. So corporately and individually, regardless of how big it seems, it can be done. If you go and read it for yourself, you'll also see that Gideon himself doubted and he, if you know the story, he had to put out a fleece to get some confirmation. God wants to confirm it to you too. I wonder if the worship team can come back. There was two songs that we sang today and both of them have reference to heroes of the faith, what they did. And what stood out to me is in our life and whatever our call might be, is we stand with those heroes today especially that, that hymn of heaven song that talks about let it be today that we cry the hymn of heaven but when it mentions those heroes of the faith the people that have struggled like we struggled and we have the benefit of seeing and reading their stories whatever it is for you right now that the God's calling you to do surrender to him and you can do it and you stand with them as you do it. People, they themselves stood for God. There's the other one that talked about, I call on the God of David, the God of Moses. I was also reminded, and I just want to speak to the blokes here for a second. I was reminded this morning of Zechariah when he was told of what would happen and he questioned it and didn't believe. And then so the angel said, you're going to be mute, mate. And then when he could speak again, he says, oh, the baby's name's John. That from my experience, we need to get quicker at hearing the call of God and then responding. Because I compared it with Mary, who said, be it unto me as you have said. So another level of this too is for us blokes, to be quicker to respond. It took me over a year to really get clarity. I think it's okay to take time, but 
for each of us, what is God speaking to you about right now? The team will minister to us in song and during the song, seek the Lord. Seek him for what he might want. I'd encourage you to find a new surrender to him. But take your seeking home. Take your seeking tonight. And keep on seeking. Because he will do mighty things through you. And if you want to respond, if you want to come forward, if you want to kneel or you just want to stand, you respond how you feel you need to respond. Almighty God, I thank you. You have done mighty deeds. And there are mighty deeds ahead of each of us here as we go into this week, this year. I thank you for speaking to every heart and mind and that it's not by might or power, but by your spirit. And I seek on behalf of all of us here that we would have a fresh baptism of your spirit that takes a hold of us, that makes low the things that are distracting and worthless and sets us on the course of doing mighty exploits for you. And I thank you for what you will do in hearts and minds in this city and in our nation and in our homes, in our families. However the battlefield looks, however small our army looks, we're victorious in you. We give you praise for all of your goodness and grace. I thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name.